Let's go back there, verse 7 through 9. Isaiah 66, verse 7 through 9. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for our uh, flight team, student, flight school students who uh, ministered the word on Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they do an awesome job Wednesday night? Yeah. Yeah. Sister uh, Peshera Faulkner kicked it off yeah. on 10. And then Brother James kept it going right on 10. At least closed it out on 10. And uh, great job, great job. Amen. All right, Isaiah 66, verse 7. Y'all have that? Let's read those three verses together. Ready, read. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God? All right, so again, verse uh, 7 says that before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Verse 8, as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Today I want to talk on the subject, sweatless anointing. Sweatless, ironically, at this moment. <laughs> I didn't plan that. That's <laughs> Everybody say sweatless anointing. <laughs> Lord, we need a sweatless anointing today. Father, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. I pray, Father, that you speak, Lord, clearly to us. Our hearts and our minds, our ears are open. Uh, ready to receive our eyes are open Lord and thank you that God that's a blessing from you that we can hear and see and so God I ask that God you speak to us from heaven divine revelation insight instruction father we receive it and it's our full intention to obey everything you put in us today God so God bring out the very best in us according to your word we pray in Jesus name so be it amen and amen all right take your seats praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord everybody say sweatless anointing, sweatless anointing. hallelujah now, I've been trying to get across to us that, that uh, our desires can be manifested at any time. Is that right? Yes. I'm talking about your own desires, things that you uh, believe God for. You know, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart and so forth. Uh, you know how to ask in faith. You know how to sow your seed and all those kind of things that we do, those works of faith we do. And we can access and uh, receive desires or manifestation at any time, at any time. when they are our desires. Are you following me? But we've been trying to also show you that when there's a God desire, in other words, there's something that God has ordained, God has planted, God has uh, set up and put in you that is for more than just you. You understand, your desires are just for you. I know some of y'all are very deep. No, my desires are for the world. Okay, no. Your desires are for you. Just be honest. That purse is not going to bless the world. <laughs> when you manifest your car, it's not going to bless the world. All right, when you get your new house, that's not for the world. That's for you, right? But there are things that God places in you that are meant to bless the world. Right? Uh, Mary, when Mary was, uh, when she conceived, the mother of Jesus, she at, at that time didn't desire a child. 
right? She's a virgin. She's planning her wedding. I mean, they're picking out, you know, napkins and plates and they're picking out, you know, what, what venue they want to use. And am I right, Tamara? There's a lot of work, isn't it? They, you got, I mean, there's a lot of work going into all that planning. That's all she was thinking about. And an angel came along and interrupted her whole affair and put something on the inside of her that was beyond her. Sure, sure, she'd be blessed by having that child, but then the, 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 later on she learned that she'd be pierced through with sorrow because of that same child. But that child was going to bless the world. So there are things that God puts on inside of you that are, they're not born of you, but they will be born from you. You understand? They're, they come from God. He deposits these things on the inside of you uh, so that when they come to their fullness, uh, it's going to come out and bless the world. Amen? Amen. And now, here's the difference I want to I illustrate today is that, is that when those desires that you have for them to manifest, you have to use your faith. Yes. And your faith will get the job done. Yes. Am I right about it? Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. Jesus said that over and over again. So your faith will get desires to come to pass. But when it comes to God's desires in your life, it's not your faith. It's, it, it switches over to God's grace. Because it's bigger than you. It, it's, it's bigger than really what your faith can even handle. So God has to come along and give you an empowerment or an ability beyond your ability to get the job done. Y'all follow me with this. So your desires by faith, but God's desires by grace. That's it. This is important as we go along later today, all right? Now, I want you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. We looked at this here uh, last week. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it talks about here, says he has made, this is God. I really want to look back at verse 10. I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. We have that Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 10. I need everybody to see what I'm talking about today. All right. Verse 11 then now says here, he has made everything beautiful in its time. So God has made everything beautiful in its time, in its time. Everything, the thing is made beautiful by God in its time. Watch this. Also has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does. Y'all see that? From beginning to end. Y'all remember, I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah 46 talks about that God uh, declares the end from the beginning. But then here we see he does the work from beginning to end. But notice here it says two things I want you to see. He has made everything beautiful in his time. So he's the one making it, making it beautiful. Then it says the work that God does. Are y'all seeing that? Now, when you're manifesting your desires, there's going to be work you do. 
your faith without your works is dead. Being alone. So your desire is you got to work your faith on. But now God's desire, God is going to do some work. Y'all understand? When Jesus was uh, dealing with the Pharisees and all the people who were coming against him, they were questioning him. And he, said, he looked at them and said, he said, uh, God doeth the work. In other words, they, they were trying to question what, you know, what you all about, man, and how you doing what you're doing. And he kept saying, God doeth the work or does the work. Are you following me? In other words, it, it wasn't just his faith. God was, do, God was working in him both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Are you following me? So, so whatever God wants to manifest through you, the, I'm talking about the things that are bigger than your, your little stuff. I'm talking about those things. God is himself doing the work from beginning to the end. What's, well, what's the beginning of the work in you? The beginning of the work in you is him getting the word seed in, inside you. That's why he sent you to a house like this to get kingdom word on the inside because that kingdom word on the inside is meant, it's, it's going to grow a baby on the inside of you. It's, gonna, it's the start of something big. The start, this word is the start of something big. And so he gets that, that's the work in the beginning. And so he's going to finish that work all the way from the beginning to the end. Well, the end is the manifestation. And what did I say? God does the work. Everybody say, God does the work. So this is how we're going to be dealing with this issue of grace and his sweatless anointing. In fact, I want you to look at down, please, at verse 14, verse 14 and 15. Verse, same chapter, verse 14 and 15. It says, I know that whatever God does, it shall be nothing. Oh, y'all, y'all missed that. Nothing can be added to it. <laughs> like the blessing of the Lord make his, make his rich and he has no sorrow with it. Neither does tolling increase it. So the work God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. You can't stop it. God does it that men should fear before him. So when men see the work God does, they, whoa, wow. Verse 15, that which is, listen to this ladies and gentlemen, has already been. Did you see that? That which is has already been. And what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Well, what in the world does that mean? First of all, we can talk about in the mind of God. In the mind of God, that which is has already been. He spoke the end from the beginning. Also, that which is what is to be has already been in the mind of God. And God requires an account of what is past. So God is going to bring the past back to give an account. Okay? In other words, Okay, when God said, let there be light and there was light, he saw the light and said it was good. In other words, the light had to give an account. <laughs> let the earth bring forth, so forth. 
And there, he saw, he saw, yeah, that's good. In other words, it had to give an account of what was in his mind. Got it? But let's look at that also in the terms of fulfillment. That number of things in God's mind, it says here, that which is has already been. And what is to be has already been. You read some translations, it'll say things like history keeps repeating itself. And that's true. Because remember, I, we showed you in Hebrews 11, verse uh, 3, I think it was, talking about how God, and, and Amplified, about how God created all, all these successive ages. By faith, we understand the world's refrain by the word of God, all the successive ages. So all the ages, all the times were, were proclaimed, were declared, were planned out by God. Every age. Right? Okay, now. Keep that in mind and go back to Ephesians 3.15. I mean, sorry, Ecclesiastes 3.15. That which is has already been. And that which and what is to be has already been. So not just in God's mind have these things already been, but these things have happened before. In other words, what we're seeing now ought not shock us because it's already been here before. The Bible says that's right. There's nothing new under the sun. And that which, what is to be, has already been. So we, we shouldn't be, be surprised or shocked 20 years from now when people are acting all kind of crazy because this has this been before. Y'all got it? Nothing new under the sun. But then it goes to say, and God requires an account of what is past. All right, now, so let's think about ages or generations. Every generation or every age, God has, there will be some sort of divine move of God. Okay? And in those divine moves, he has to raise up uh, what I want to call change agents or what we might call revolutionaries uh, God raised Moses up for his age for his generation right God raised later on uh, when it came time for, the, for the, the, the prophets to come on board he raised up Samuel for that age then he, later on, uh, and you know there are other people we can name on here, but then he raised up a David who served God in his generation. As God was moving, moving the people into a real kingdom time, he raised up a David who had an understanding of kingdom uh, different than Saul did. Saul never had an understanding of kingdom. Saul was, was a separatist. Saul kept all the tribes separate, but, but David united all the kingdom together. That was, that's the move of God. It's a oneness and God was establishing something. And so he had to raise up a David for his age. Well, he, later on, he had to raise up a Jesus to make a, the next move, the next age, he had to raise up a Jesus. Y'all follow me right here. Well, you can go hundreds of years later, he, he raised up a guy like Martin Luther. When the church had gone into what we might call the dark ages and we were stuck under universal Catholic rule and he raised up a, a reformist 
named Martin Luther who led something called a protest. That's why I don't, I don't know why folk get mad about people protesting because if it weren't for protesting, we wouldn't be the Protestant church that we are today. I mean, I'm, mad. I'm sorry, I'm getting political. I don't want to get political. I can't believe these folk protesting like that. We are, we are the result of a protest. We're the Protestant church. What do you think Protestant means? It's the Protestants. If it wasn't for that, we'd all still be Catholic. Praise the Lord. But God used him, Martin Luther, to protest, to usher in now where we, we're, we were not stuck listening to what a pope said, but we started reading the Bible for ourselves, and now we came out of the dark ages, and we begin to get revelation for ourselves. Our eyes were open. Fast forward many years later, many, 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 many years later, there's another guy named Martin Luther King. Junior, who Dr. Martin, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like I always like to throw that in, Reverend Doctor. People like to make him Doctor, but he was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King because his anointing didn't come from being from his doctrine. His anointing came from his calling. <laughs> he didn't get all his great speeches and messages out of you know Harvard books. He got it out of the Bible. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, which means God had to raise up a man for his generation to usher in a movement. And he raised up people around him. Jesse Jackson was in that day, Andrew Young, Ralph Abernathy, people like that were in that day. John Lewis, they were all in that day. Because it wasn't just one man, it was a, a group of people who answered a call. Who, who were, had enough of what the status quo was and they had something programmed or instilled in them that when that came out of them, it ushered in a change for a generation. And you and I can live and do the things that we live and do today because of what they did in that time. But, ladies and gentlemen, in 2018, we're ready for a new movement and God has raised up a new group of change agents who have been given uh, uh, the equipment and the tools the, and the everything necessary on the inside to change a generation. So you and I were not designed, I've said this already, weren't designed to be here in 1000 BC, 1492, weren't designed to be here, be here then, we were designed to be here now. And not only are we designed, uh, we have the ability to cope with what's going on, but we have the ability to deal with what's going on. So everything God has been putting on the inside of you. In fact, the reason why uh, many of you feel, you feel uneasy. I mean, some of y'all start, start to really get downright upset about what you see going on around you. Not many of you, but some of you start to just, you know, I'm just, I'm tired of seeing what this stuff going on. Well, that tiredness is, is a stirring, it's an awakening in your spirit of God trying to raise you up to become what he called you to be. You are that agent for this generation, for this time. Are y'all with me on this? Tell your neighbor, that's why you're here. Tell them, tell them, that's why you're in this church right now. So, 
God told Daniel something. God, when God gave Daniel a vision, he said, Daniel, he said, everything that you see, I want you to, to write it down, but I want you to, to cover it up, put it away. He said, because it's for the end of time. There are things God told Daniel, he said, this is for the end of time. And he said, in the end of time, uh, knowledge would increase. In other words, there's a knowledge that'll be preserved for an end time. My point is, there are things that Moses didn't know that David knew. Things that David didn't know that Jesus knew. Got it? Things that Martin Luther didn't know that Martin Luther King knew. And there are things that Martin Luther King knew or didn't know. Because they're, they're reserved. Oh, you hear me? So revelation is reserved for ages. Man, I'm preaching better than y'all are hitting my head. You and I are part of this restoration generation, part of this end time generation, so there is a revelation for our generation. There's a revelation that's for our generation. There's, there are things that we can and will and already many of us do know that they would have never known a thousand years ago or a hundred years ago. He, in other words, he's, he's given us the knowledge and the tools we need to really to end this whole thing. You got it? So he has to reveal things to us. Praise the Lord. All right, now let's, let's look at this. We've been looking at this because um, we're in the, on the Hebrew calendar of the new year. So this Ayin Tate. So if y'all can get that symbol up there for me again. This Ayin Tate. And you'll see what we've been talking about here. That Ayin Tate up here, which is uh, talking about that Ayin means to see. And that Tate represents something that's hidden, right? So Tate, that on, which is on your left, represents a, a pregnancy. It's showing something hidden in there. You got it? And so this time is a time for God that he will cause the world to see what has been hidden on the inside of us. So we said 5779 marks a time of great manifestation. It's God's set time. Everybody say God's set time. All right, now let's go back, back to Isaiah 66, please. Praise the Lord. Did we make any progress on that sense of my devil? What happened? Oh, Lord. This might be a quick one today. <laughs> might have to stream from my phone online. Y'all watch online. Praise <laughs> no, I, let me tell you something. I, I've preached in Africa. I've preached in the Marshall Islands. Ain't no AC to be found anywhere. And they, they come full suits and everything, and they, I mean, they, that's, they just go for it. You know, we got all these luxuries, praise the Lord. Amen. I'm not complaining about the luxury. <laughs> remember, remember Acts 3 and uh, what scripture that Acts... Uh, now, as Acts 17, 26, God chose our time, but he also chose our place. <laughs> so, God didn't call me to be Marshall Lee. He's in the Marshall Islands, and 
African in Africa. I'm an African in America. <laughs> He's supposed to work. Amen. All right, so Isaiah 66, verse 7. Before she was in labor, she did what? Before she was in labor. Now, that's, that's just unheard of, right? Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Before the pain even hit. Now, we remember Genesis 3.16. I showed you all that. You don't have to turn to it about how uh, part of the curse was that whenever a woman would have a child, there would be a lot of pain and travail going on. Okay? So that was, that was Eve's fault for that. But here it says, when God gets involved, there's, it's going to happen that before she's in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. So something has to happen. Something has to change for this to happen. Because the usual is there's pain, there's suffering, there's travail, there's all kind of hard work. But for a, a woman to deliver a child without that pain, but without that travail, something, has, something supernatural. Because naturally there's going to be pain. Naturally there's going to be toil. Naturally there's going to be struggle. Naturally there's going to be pressure. But supernatural, not naturally, there's a sweatless anointing that comes that makes birthing easy. Y'all stick with me today. Let me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Makes it easy. Everybody say again, sweatless anointing. So, so we see here that we said 5779, based on these scriptures here, will mark a time of accelerated, eased birthing. Accelerated, eased, or easy birthing. This is, ladies and gentlemen, it's God's grace at work. I want you to understand, is this, this is the grace of God at work. Now, y'all know what God's grace is. The grace of God, uh, don't think of favor. Please, ladies and gentlemen, don't think of favor. People have, have, have reduced grace to favor, but that's not what it is. When you see grace in the Old Testament, yes, there's, there's a favor. Uh, that it's, it's involved in that way. And you'll, in fact, New Testament, the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, you'll see the same word grace and favor used. But I want you to see grace as more than favor. I want you to see grace as a divine enablement. I want you to see grace as Peter, Peter defined it in, in his writing as the ability which God supplies. So this grace that comes on you uh, is not about this favor. It's about an ability from God that makes things easy. It's like trying to run your car without uh, oil in the engine or transmission fluid or power steering fluid. Anybody ever try to drive without power steering fluid? Your power steering is bad. You drive a little, little Toyota, but it feels like you're driving a city bus. I mean, you just, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Boy, that's, you don't, yeah, you turn it with two hands. And, that's because, because you don't have the fluid in the, in the necessary that makes, that, that makes the system run smooth and easy. But, but, you know, so some of y'all, when you go through that, you carry that fluid in your trunk. You got it on hand. Right? Get to the next stoplight, put some more on that thing. Right? Because you don't want it to be hard. You want it to be easy. So grace comes along to make what was hard easy. So I want you to see this grace as a divine enablement. It's God's ability. Y'all got it? To make things easy. I want to give an example of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Turn over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 1 and 2. 
Glory to God. I'll get as far as I can today. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 and 2. Watch what Paul says here. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So you see a grace bestowed on some people. You'll read several times in Paul's writings where he'll talk about the grace of God that was given to me. Over and over again, he'll say, the grace, this grace was given to me. So it's an empowerment. So he says, this grace of God that was bestowed upon the church of Macedonia, verse 2, please, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So here they are. They're poor. But grace came on them that caused them or enabled them to now be liberal. In fact, look at look, add verse 3 to this, please. Verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability. Uh-oh. Now you see what grace does. Grace takes you beyond your ability. Which means that which you could not do without grace, now you can do with grace. Or that which you could do without grace and you, it was hard and, and, and tedious and arduous. Now when grace comes on, it makes that which was tedious easy. So we're talking about a time now in this season that we have just entered into that the things you could not do before, now you'll be able to do them and they'll be easy. And the things that you were doing that were taking you five years and three years and ten years and taking you all kind of, you stay up all night. No, now it'll be easy because there's a sweatless anointing that God is bringing on your life because this is not your idea, it's his idea. And because it's his idea, it's not about your faith, it's about his grace. But pastor, I don't have to keep working my faith. Yeah, because you still have your desires. You still have your desires. But when it comes to his desires manifesting through you, it's not about your faith. The only thing you got to do is believe, yes, God, I believe that. But now the manifestation of it is going to be his grace working in your life. Everybody say his grace, his grace. On, my life. on my life. So listen to this. Grace is actually, listen to what I'm saying. It's actually God's ability. Do you understand that? I mean, in actuality. It is his ability. Go back to verse 1. Verse 1 of this thing. Grace of God. It, it, it's literally his ability. Okay. One time Paul told Timothy, he said, uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We like to say it this way from Zechariah, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, by his spirit, says the Lord. So, so God will actually impart to you or place on you literally his ability. Okay, okay. Uh, I preached a message years ago on financial grace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which says, I can do all things 
through Christ which strengthens me. Or the anointed one and his anointing which strengthens me. So the reason I can do, and he's talking financially in that verse, you know that. The reason I can do everything is because, not because of my strength. My checking account don't say that. My bank account doesn't say that. But because I operate in his strength, I can do that. Are you following me? So, so what we want, what we need, ladies and gentlemen, in this hour more than anything else is God's ability, his actual ability working in our lives. It's kind of like, uh, the, the, I think the last movie we went to, uh, we saw, is it The Incredibles? Yeah. Y'all ever seen The Incredibles? Yeah. Some of y'all don't have kids or maybe, you know, Incredibles, you know, okay, the pr movie prior to that, we went to see The Black Panther. That was a... Was that right, Black Panther? We went and saw Black Panther. Y'all don't tell me because I went to the movies, okay? So I went to the movies, saw Black Panther, and you know, I, I hated it. I mean, it was, to me, that was a stupid movie. I don't mean to, I'm not, I'm not prejudiced. Y'all know I ain't racist. I'm from a predominantly black family, okay? So, <laughs> you know I'm not racist. It just, the movie just didn't interest me. It just, I'm, I'm not a, I really wasn't like a Marvel superhero kind of movie. It just, so then when the kids, they wanted to go see The Incredibles, I came with the same mindset. This is going to be a dumb, dumb movie, but, you know, spend time with the kids, and we'll sit there, and I'll, I'll get a good nap. And this is what I'm thinking. But, man, The Incredibles, I mean, was magnificent. That was just powerful, man. I'm like, man. But, anyway, long story short, well, they, they, when, when they put on these suits, they're super suits. Where's my super suit? Where's my, you know? Y'all, some of y'all saw it. Where's my super suit? When they, put on, they, when they put on a super suit, they went from normal, regular people. Am I right about it? I mean, some of y'all grew up with Superman. Well, you know, Superman was really Clark Kent. Mild mental reporter by day. But when he went into that booth, went into a little room somewhere, boy, he all of a sudden now, come out of that suit, come out of them glasses, put that, take off that hat. All of a sudden, he turned into another man. That's exactly what God told Saul. Remember King Saul? When, 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 when the prophet Samuel found King Saul, he wasn't king yet, he found Saul, and he said, Saul, listen here. Listen here, God has called you. There's a calling on your life. Now, Saul didn't even understand the calling, but, God, but Samuel said, there's a calling on your life, uh, Saul. And he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go down the street here, and you're going to run into some prophets. He said, when you run into these prophets, and the Spirit of God is going to come on you, and the Bible says, you're going to be turned into another man. Oh, man, y'all missed that. He told him, you're going to literally be turned into another man. In other words, when the anointing of God comes in your life, when the grace and the ability comes in your life, you are turned into a whole other person. You are not who you used to be. You're not that person that, that, you, that everybody knows. When the anointing, see, I might look like a regular person. People say, he's just a man like me. No, I'm not just a man like you. Yeah, when I'm in the grocery store, maybe. But when I'm here giving the word, I am turned into another man. And you got to know that, that when the grace of God comes to your life, you are turning to somebody that you were not before. And 
so in this age, in this time, this grace, this anointing, this ability, this ailment is coming upon you to turn you into turn you into a Samson. That you might look like a regular old skinny guy. Because Samson was a regular old skinny guy. Samson wasn't some bodybuilder or muscle head. Samson, he didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wasn't built. He wasn't stocked. He wasn't, he had no, no chisel. He wasn't none of that stuff. Yes, he was. That's what they drew in the picture. No, it wasn't because if that was the case, they would not have asked him, how is he so strong? I mean, if he was caught diesel, they wouldn't have said, where does your strength come from? Y'all, y'all understand what I mean when I say caught diesel, Lord? Look, looking like he's fresh out of the pen, you know what I'm saying? Like he, you know, he wasn't that. But an anointing came on him to do what he did. And so this, so much so, he, he whipped a lion, man. I mean... It's a bad man. And what I'm saying is, this same kind of grace or ailment or anointing is trying to come on your life to turn you into somebody else. Are you with me on this here? All right, so everybody say sweatless anointing. Say it again, sweatless anointing. Say it this way, say that there's a sweatless anointing on my life. Y'all got it? So I want you to, this year to expect to grow in grace and flow in grace. Did you hear what I said? I want you to expect, you know, we can grow in grace. Second Peter 3.18, we can grow in grace. So I want you to grow in it and flow in it. That's a song. Praise the Lord. You can grow in it. You can flow in it. The grace of God is on your life. You can grow in it. You can flow in it. The grace of God is on your life. Y'all know you'll buy that? All right, write that down. They suggest you're going to buy that. I got one order right there. Two orders? The grace of God is on your life. Ah, I like that. It's, it's a sweatless anointing, ladies and gentlemen. It's to make things easy. It's, it's, it's without toil. It's without struggle. It's without a fuss. It's without making a mess. It's without having to kick down doors. It's because it's what God wants. It, see, it's the same way. The, the same way you don't have to, you don't have to praise God. See, when I grew up, I was born in 1971, and uh, I got born again. That was a great year. I, I, I got born again in 1989, my my final year of high school. That was a good year too. Graduated high school, got born again, all that kind of stuff. Started preaching all in the same year. But. When I got born again, in my old church, remember, there's a knowledge for every age. In my old church, when I wanted to get the Holy Ghost, I, I was told I had to get down here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We have tarry service every Sunday night. 
and get down here. Jesus, 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 Call him, son. Call him, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then he got the battery. You know, you got the. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Why well, get him out? Get him out. Jesus, 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 And you know you crying everything. You begging, begging God to do what He want to do. Begging God to do what He wants to do. See, we didn't know. See, they, they get it from the scriptures when the Bible says, Jesus said in, in Acts chapter 1, go and tarry, Acts Luke 24, go and tarry in Jerusalem and wait till you be in due power, power, power from high. Well, they didn't know the word tarry just meant wait. So we were tarrying, like tarry, we made tarry a verb, an action verb of doing something as opposed to wait. Tarry just means wait. Oh! Are you following what I'm saying to you? My, my point is, we were, we were working hard for something he was already given. We didn't know it, it could have been sweating us all that time. Because I can tell you this, that as a terrier, how long I was discouraged and really, really had, quit had quit seeking. Because I was discouraged. I was tearing and nothing happening. Uh, somebody knows what I'm talking about, right? You're tearing and working. You're trying to make something happen. Ain't nothing happening. And you quit, man. I was going from, I was traveling, going to meetings. We're going to have a Holy Ghost meeting over here. I'm going to Holy Ghost meeting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost this time. Now, I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, Luke 11. That if you just ask him, he just gives you the Holy Ghost. Just, it's just easy, sweatless. You mean I can stand? I, I mean, how many times have we said after church, hey, we can go back in this room, we're just going to pray with you here, and you can receive the Holy Ghost. People come out, oh my God, I got the Holy Ghost, oh my God. Yeah. Because it's, it's sweatless. So if, if you don't have to sweat to get, the, to get salvation, and you don't have to sweat to get the Holy Ghost, you don't have to sweat to get healing, you don't have to sweat to get prosperity, financial prosperity, you don't have to sweat anything out. And those are, those are your desires. So all the more when it's a God desire, something he has already ordained for your life, how much less do you have to sweat over that? Tell your neighbor, God wants to do it. Tell them that this is God's big idea. What you're going to manifest this year is God's big idea. It's going to be quick and it's going to be easy. Glory to God. Right, let me show you that here. Now, now Isaiah 66, let me, let me finish up. Let me, let, me, let me try to get to a finish here. Isaiah 66, verse, verse uh, Seven again, it said, before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. That sounds quick and easy. Somebody say quick and easy. Then it says, who has heard such a, such a thing? Who has seen such things? So the earth be made to give birth in one day? Come on, no. 
But see, when God is involved, it makes it quick and easy. Shall the be born at once? No. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children quick and easy. Quick and easy. Now notice again, we said it's the ninth verse that talks about here, the time of birth. Shall I bring to the time of birth? Everybody say time of birth. In other words, there's a fullness of time. There's a set time. Jesus Christ, remember we mentioned earlier about Mary being impregnated. The word of God came into her. She said, you know, she was, her question was, how can this be? Remember that? And what was the angel's answer to her? Well, it's not going to be you. It's the Holy Ghost going to come upon you. The power of the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. In other words, Mary, this is going to be so quick and easy. You ain't going, you ain't going to have time to even feel no pain. Did y'all just catch what I just said? The angel said, no, no, this ain't about you and you and you and you ain't got you ain't got the work sweat this thing. And this is the Holy Ghost gonna come on you. Oh my God. Tell your neighbor, the Holy Ghost is gonna come on you. You ain't gonna sweat this year. You ain't gonna struggle this year. All your sweating and all your struggling, all your toiling is over because you're gonna get a word and instruction from God. He's gonna tell you do this and do that. You when you do this. And when you do that, it's going to be like those disciples letting their net down into the deep when he said do this. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish. The biggest, quickest, easiest catch they ever got in their whole lifetime because they're following a divine instruction from God. Are you hearing me? So, but Mary having that child, the reason it was so quick and easy because Galatians 4, 4, get on the screen please. Galatians 4.4 says, says this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Galatians, G-A-L-A-T-I-N-S. But when the fullness of time had come. Are you seeing that? So the reason, you understand, there were many women throughout Israel waiting. They wanted that word to be fulfilled in their lives for ages. You go back to the very beginning, that's why, that's why the, uh, the enemy was trying to kill all the babies. Because he knew that at some point in time, this Messiah was going to come. And he's trying to stop that. But when the fullness of time had come, though the set time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Oh, y'all missed that. So when the, full, when the right time came, now remember, what, what was God's plan all the time? To send his son. That was the fullness, that was a plan of God before the foundation of the world. So the plan was, the big deal was to send the son. So, but he couldn't send the son until the time was right. So the plan of God had a set time. But watch this. When the footers of time had come, it didn't say God sent forth his son. Period. But he sent for the son born of a woman. So although it was God's master plan, he had to bring it through. So Mary, when the angel first came to her, he said, Mary, hey, smile, girl. You found favor with God. God has chosen you to bring forth his son. Are you catching that? It's always been in the plan of God to bring forth the son. He had to find somebody. He had to locate somebody he could get his son through. 
So it has always been God's plan in this age to bless the world or change the world. But he's looking for somebody he can cause his plan to be born through. The only thing it took for Mary to participate in that plan was to say, be it unto me. Be it unto me. So the only thing it takes for you is to say, be it unto me. According to your word. And then God says, I got it from there. <laughs> I got it from there. Because you know, in the back of her mind, she's thinking, how am I going to explain this to my mama? I got it from there. How am I going to explain this to my daddy? My daddy's born. Me, mama, my daddy find out I'm pregnant. I got it. How am I going to explain this to my fiance? I'm supposed to get married. He's going to think I've been, I've been with Judas over there on the other side. No, no, no. God said, I got it from there. God handled all the dreams. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? See, when God is involved, when it's his idea, all you got to do is say, be it unto me. He said, I got it from there. Because it's a sweatless anointing. All right. All right. Again, Isaiah 66, 66 verse 9. All right. I could say a lot more, but it's, it's hot. <laughs> I'm, man, I'm sweating down my back, man. I'm Drink some water. That's a good idea. Give me some water. I should have me one of those things. You know, the caps you wear on your head, you put the little can in there. That would not mess y'all up. little straw to the side. And the Lord said, <laughs> ain't it all right? <laughs> that would be funny. There is a due season for manifestation. A due time to bring forth whatever God has spoken. Okay? Now, go to Genesis 18 and verse 10. Just a few more minutes, y'all. A few more minutes. Everybody say due season. Because we, we just read in Galatians 4, 4, fullness of time. Okay? Due season. Genesis 18, verse 10 says, and he said, this is God talking, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening to him in the tent door, which was behind him. Give me that same verse in the Amplified, please. Same verse, Genesis 18, verse 10, the Amplified. The Lord said, I will surely return to you when the season comes around. That's what I want you to see. I will surely return to you when the season comes around. Tell your, tell your neighbor, your season has come around. I will return to you. In other words, other words, I planted the word in you. I planted the seed in you, but I'm going to come back when the season comes around. Some of you got, yes, sir, it's a visitation. Some of you got it. God put the seed in you 10 years ago. There are dreams and visions you had 20 years ago. And God said, yeah, 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 that's good. And, and the, seed, the seed's been working, but now it's about time for, the, for me to, now to return to you. Because now the seasons come around. He said, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening and heard it at the tent door, which was behind him. Go to Genesis 21, please. Genesis 21, verse 1. 
You can stay in the New King James Version. Genesis 21, verse 1. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Watch this. Genesis 21 and verse 1. Now watch this. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. See, remember we just read in 18? He said, I'm going to come, I'm going to return to you. So it says here, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord, the Lord did. I, I, want, I just need y'all to see this. The Lord. The Lord. The Lord. Because as far as she knew, she and Abraham couldn't, she and Abraham couldn't do it. They couldn't do. Matter of fact, when that word came to her about them doing, she like, shoot, who, me, him? Have you seen how old he is? Have you seen how old I am? Shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, he's old man. You know, it's been a long time, Jesus. But he said, no, 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 no. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. See, when the Lord visits you, there is no clock. When the Lord visits you, you can't go past your time. Oh, a fan. Man, man, man. Praise the Lord. Praise God. The Lord visited Sarah. The Lord visiting me right now. I feel that too. I'm going to stay right in this spot right here now. I, I feel a hoop coming on. I feel my help coming on here. Oh, Lord. Ain't it all right? He's a fan for the fanless. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. <laughs> Whose idea was that? <laughs> Whose idea was to get that fan? That was your idea? I got you. <laughs> Come here, man. Hey, shoot. Hey, I got I to gotta go on the, on the secret compartment about that one. Here, man. Here. Come here, man. Woo-wee. Here, that's... Woo. That's worth a hundred bones for me right there, boy. Praise God. Right there. So the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for the Lord did for her as he had promised. This is the key that I need you to see here. So the Lord promised something, and the Lord did it. Are you hearing this? When it's his promise, he's going to do it. You ain't got to do it. You just believe it. Just trust it. Just let him move and he's going to do it. Are you hearing this here? Verse 2. Verse 2. For Sarah became pregnant and bore Abraham. See, the Lord did this here. And bore Abraham as a son in his old age at the at the what? At the set time God had told him. Verse 3. Verse 3. Abraham named his, his son whom uh, Sarah bore to him Isaac, which means laughter. laughter. She named him 
Uh, uh, Abraham named him laughter. We're going to see why. Verse 4. Verse 4. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Verse 5. Abraham was a hundred years old. Boy, think about that. When Isaac was born. Verse 6. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh. Now watch this. All who hear. So her, her whole sin was, this is beyond just her laughing. This manifestation is so big. Everyone who hears, everyone who sees, every witness is going to know God has done something extraordinary in my life. God has come upon me. Verse 7, close it out. Verse 7, and she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children at the breast? For I have borne him a son in his old age. She said, who would have thought? Who would have thought? See, because naturally speaking, there was no chance. But when this grace, when this divine ability comes on your life, it's to cause a manifestation of what God has promised. That's why when you go back to Isaiah, get Isaiah 66 verse 9 back on the screen, please. Isaiah 66 verse 9, because it, this, is, this is critical to, to us hear what God said. Give Isaiah, he says, shall I bring to the time of delivery? So who's the one bringing to the time of birth? Rather? God. And not, and not what? Come on. Cause. So God says, if I bring, if I get you here, I'm going to cause it. See, that's, that's what makes it so sweatless because it ain't you and your strength. It is God and his strength. It is God. No, clock. Uh -uh, I, got a, I got a fan now. It is, it is God. Oh, Lord. It is God that's going to cause you to bring forth that which he's put in you. That's why people do those more than names of Moses and, 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 and David and Jesus and, 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 and Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. That's why those guys, they, they couldn't be stopped until they finished what they had to do because God was causing something. Then he says, and shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb? That means once I get it started, it ain't going to stop. That's why I'm telling you, I don't want you to think of this being a one-year event. Once that womb is open, once you start bringing forth the things that God's put on the inside of you, nothing's going to stop it. It's going to be till Jesus comes. Y'all got it? All right, let's go, go another place here. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2. Y'all just hold on just a few minutes. I got, I got my second wind. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3. Do we have the um, New American Standard Bible, NASB? Let me know if we have that. I'm not, I'm not even sure if we have it. No, NASB. -N yes, praise the Lord. It's all working out. There is an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every event under heaven. 
time to give birth. Now, when you read New King James and King James, it'll say a time to be born. But I want it in ASB because it, it correctly translates that when you, when you look at what he said. It's actually a time to give birth. Because this is, these are all things you do. You understand? When you're time to be born, time to die, time to pluck up, time to plant, time to all that kind of things. These are actions that you take. Well, you being born has nothing to do with you. So it can't be correctly translated time to be born. It's a time to give birth. It's something you are actively participating in. So I have to just bring it out here. A time to, to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant, a, and a time to uproot what is planted. Okay, now, so y'all see that there's a time for all this stuff. Now, go back to the New, to the new King James. We can, we can see that now, now that we understand what we're saying here. So, <clears throat> verse 1. Verse 1. A, there, to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, that word purpose, I want you to see this here, is the Hebrew word shefetz, or kefetz, actually, kefetz, which means delight, pleasure, desire, longing, or the good pleasure. Delight, pleasure. Now, he's saying there's a time for this. Y'all missed it. He just told us there's a time for this. For delight, there's a set time for this delight, for this pleasure, for this desire, for this longing, for the good pleasure. We're talking about God's plan, God's good pleasure. There's a set time for it, okay? But then go to verse 3. It says a time, I'm sorry, I'm sorry a ver verse 2, I apologize, verse 2. A time to be born. Now, I want you to see this word born. Hebrew word yalad. Here's what it means. It means to bear. This is why we got to turn it to give birth. To bear, bring forth, beget, gender, travail, to cause or to help to bring forth, to assist as a midwife. Are you hearing this? So I want, want you to prepare yourself for something here in this, in this season, as we enter this season. So this is a time set by God to bear or to bring forth. That means there's something already on the inside of you. To beget or to gender. I want you to see this. To cause or to help to bring forth. In other words, to assist as a midwife. So in this season, you and I are going to have to recognize that not only are there things that God wants to bring out of us, but there are things he wants us to help bring out of others. In other words, this is, this is, the, this is the greatest time of cooperation that we've ever been to. Everybody say cooperation. I didn't say corporation, cooperation. That means, cooperate means we, we work together. Co-operate. In other words, you have to see that to, to bring your dream or your manifestation to pass, because it's so God-sized, you're going to need other people 
means you're going to have to get over your covetousness because covetousness won't allow you to trust anybody. Covetousness won't allow you to work with anybody. Covetousness will always make you paranoid and sneaky and oh my God, are they, are they trying to get me? Nobody's trying to get you. We're trying to help you. It's going to be a time for partnerships. In other words, you, you're, you're the, it, even the big ideas you have, you're going to need partnership to bring these things to pass because if it's really God's size, it's too big for you to bring forth on your own. So it's the time again of the midwives to step up. It's the time again for those who are going to help somebody else bring forth their manifestation, somebody else to bring forth their dream, their desire, their prophecy, their promise, their word. I'm going to help you bring, bring yours to pass, and then you're going to help me bring mine to pass, and God's grace is going to be on us all, and it's going to be quick, and it's going to be easy. And so many times, and I, I'm going to tell you, I know this, I, this is a fact, it's been, it's been plaguing our community for a long time because we have refused to work together because we've been crabs in a bucket because we refuse to help each other. We've not made the progress that we ought to make, make to, because we've not been willing to just work together with each other. We lost that many years ago in our community. In my dad's day, everybody worked together. Businesses work together. Business owners, they help each other launch and get started. But now in our day, it's me and mine. And nobody's going anywhere because nobody will trust each other and work with each other. I got news for you. One can chase a thousand. But two can put 10,000 to flight. That means that we are better together. We can do more together. And this is the time and the season when if you're going to bring forth what God has put on the inside of you, I'm going to come along and help you, and you're going to come along and help me, and we're going to all bring forth what God has put on the inside of us. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor, this is God. It's too big for just you. If this is something, this is your little small thing, I ain't talking to you. If this is just, just your little small idea, I ain't talking to you. I'm not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to somebody who's carrying, carrying twins. <laughs> you carrying triplets. You carrying quintuplets. You got, you got a whole boatload of them in there. You got... This, this, this baby is so big. You're going to need somebody to hold you and help you. And when those contractions, when those pains come along, they say, no, 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 no. It's going to be quick and easy. Now, now sit down. Let me show you this. I just want to show you this in scripture. And then we'll quit. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 1. The people of God. Okay. Y'all got Exodus 1? Okay. Put your finger on Exodus 1. And grab Acts 7. 
I'm going to show you something before we go to Exodus 1. This is going to help us. Some of y'all have some big things on the inside of you. And you've been toiling and struggling and straining like, well, you know, I don't know, how to, I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do that. But God, God said, but I got people right there in your church. I've got people right in the church you go to every Sunday. I got people right there in your church who if you will open yourself up and trust them, trust the me in them, trust the me in them, I've, I've assigned you to each other to help each other bring to pass what I put on the inside of you. Are you in Acts 7? 17. But when the time of the promise drew near, I want y'all to see this, what's happening. But when the time of the, the time, so every promise has a time. And when it drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Now, Abraham's not there. He is not there. Abraham is not in Egypt. This is some 400 plus years after Abraham is, is gone. But God's keeping a promise to Abraham. So this promise had a time. He said the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, in that system. Verse 18. Till another king rose, arose who did not know Joseph. Remember Joseph? Joseph's dead. Now there's a new Pharaoh. He don't know Joseph or his God. Verse 19, this man, this new king, dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose, watch this, expose their babies so that they might not live. This is genocide. This is genocide. Infanticide. It is, we're right back there with all the abortion in America. Come on now. Millions. Upon millions, upon millions of babies for the same issue. Why? Pharaoh's trying to kill them because he's afraid because if they multiply and grow, they can take over. The devil is always afraid of what's on the inside of you. See, he doesn't know who the next third good marshal is in the group. He doesn't know who the next Sojourner Truth is in our group. He doesn't know who the next Phyllis Wheatley is in our group. He, he, he doesn't know, he doesn't know who, 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 who the, the next Harriet Tubman is. He doesn't know who the next MLK is in the group, so he want to kill off all our babies. Y'all got quiet then, y'all, they quiet. They got quiet on Because there's something on the inside of you that's powerful enough to change a generation. He says, so he made them expose their babies so that they might not live. Verse 20. At this time, this time, the time of the promise, Moses, a deliverer, a drawn out one, was born, watch this, and was well pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. Now y'all got that. So at this time, when all his killing's going on, a Moses is born. All right, now go back to Exodus 1. Go back to Exodus 1. Verse 15. This all right, Devin? Exodus 1, verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. Now, this is, this is, this is what 
Acts was just talking about. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. To the who? Midwives. Now the Hebrews are God's people, so can we just say God's people? So the, the midwives of God's people, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other, Pua, verse uh, 16. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. Somebody say, not my son. Not my son. Verse 17. No, no, go back to verse 16. Go back to verse 16. So no, notice, notice the mandate here. The mandate is to kill off all the seed. See, all of, all of, all of the boys carry seed. They're, they're the progenitors of seed. You need boys to, carry, to keep a line going. So we can kill off a whole people if we kill off their seed. Y'all better recognize. He said, so if it's a son, kill him. Lock him up. Something, at least. Put him away. But if it's a daughter, then, you know, let her live. We'll, we'll, we'll pay for her housing. All right, verse 17. Oh, did I, did I say? I'm sorry. I'm telling you what's going on. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Verse 18. In other words, we're not going to help y'all kill all the people's dreams. We're going to keep people's dreams alive. There's something on the inside. That, that male may have no value to you, but that male, there's something on the inside of that male. <laughs> so the king of Egypt, now because they didn't do that, the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? Now watch what they say. Watch the God-given response they have. And the midwives said to, the, to Pharaoh, because God's people are not like the world's people, for they are lively. They are lively. They are living. They got abundant life on the inside of them. And they give birth before the midwives come to them. But, but, before, we're on our way to help them. But God is making it such on their lives. That before they really in pain, before they really travail, they, the baby's already coming out. In fact, I want you to give me that same. Uh, no, no. If if you look, if you got a good Bible, this is in my Bible. If if you have a good Bible, and Exodus chapter one, on that verse, verse nineteen. In the, in the little notes in the Bible, it'll say, it'll, it'll change that to say they are, they have vigor of life and they bear quickly and easy. That's what that literally means. They have vigor of life. They have abundant life. And they, when they bear, they bear quickly and easily. Somebody said amplified? 
Okay, verse 19, Amplify. Let's, let's check it out, Amplify. We're going to help us out. The midwives answer Pharaoh because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and quickly delivered. Their babies are born before the midwives come to them. Were they lying? No. Because God knows what the demonic agenda is. So he puts his grace or his ability, his enablement upon those women that what would normally be hard and excruciating and hours long of labor, just as soon as they go, oh, what, what? Now watch. Go back to, to the New King James here, verse 19. And it says, before the, they give birth, before the midwives come to them. Verse 20. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. Now if you read what that means by the midwives, it means God gave the midwives their own families, their own households, because they were there to take care of and assist those who were bringing, bringing forth. God caused them to bring forth themselves. So what I'm saying to you is, in this season, this hour, when God connects you to somebody to help them bring forth that vision that they have from God, don't feel like, oh, well, God, when is it my time? You ain't got to worry about when is your time, because right now it's everybody's time. Tell you, it's everybody's time. It's everybody's season. It's a time of great manifestation. So it won't be, well, I got to wait five more years for mine. No, 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 no. While you're helping them, God's bringing yours on too. Why? Because there's a, there's a sweatless anointing that came on those women. Because those midwives were there to help them, it came on them too. Notice it didn't even talk about the midwives needing midwives. <laughs> it's a sweatless, there's a sweatless anointing that comes on them. To help them. And that's the same thing that God is bringing on us in this year. Y'all got it? Y'all understand? Y'all receive that? Everybody say sweatless anointing. Get on your feet. This is what it means when God is causing these things to happen. Y'all remember Psalm 23? Put it on the screen, Psalm 23. Let's, let's read Sweatless Anointing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me. That's sweatless. He leads me beside the still water. That's sweatless. Verse 3. He restores my soul. That's sweatless. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his, for his, name, for his name's sake. This is all on him. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod, they comfort me. Verse 5. You anoint my head. That's a sweatless anointing right there. That anointing of your head with oil, that's a sweatless anointing. That sweatless anointing is going to make your cup run over. So much so that surely goodness and mercy are going to follow you. And you're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I don't know if I can illustrate this any more 
clearly or plainly to you. You were born for such a time as this. So you preached that a few weeks ago. You were born for this hour, for this generation. You are part of the restoration generation. There's a revelation that is for this generation. You and I are here not to simply cope and get by and pile over what's going on. You and I are here with something on the inside of us to change. We can change the world. We can change the world, man. I'm not talking about how much education you have or don't have. There's something God puts on the inside of you that can change the world. The disciples that the Jesus Christ left, the Bible says, those guys went about and people said, these guys have come and they've turned the world upside down. But those same people said about them, these are untrained, unlearned, ignorant men. But these same untrained, unlearned, ignorant men, the Bible says, turn the world upside down. So I'm not talking about your education. That's good. Some things that God puts on your life may require that. You might need training. You might need education. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you got to know what God, and that, that's why I asked you at the beginning today to, to take a moment and articulate to somebody next to you something you feel God has called you to do. Because whatever that is, it's time now to go forth on that because it's going to be sweatless. If you had gone ahead of time, like Moses did, remember Moses tried to go ahead of time? He ran into some trouble. But when the time came right, it was sweatless. God was with him now to bring forth supernatural things in his life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, today we receive the word and thank you, Lord, that you have placed something so rich, so strong, so vital on the inside of us. You planned us for this hour, this time, this age, this season. You pre-orchestrated, Lord, our arrival. You pre-orchestrated our place where, where, where we'd be living now. You pre-orchestrated, Father, even uh, us to connect or intersect with this church to receive this word for this hour. Thank you for the friends and the loved ones you've placed us around, God, that are all pivotal and critical, Lord, to, to bringing forth what you placed on the inside of us. Thank you, Lord, that God, though we may not know everything, God, there are people that you placed around us who know things and can do things. And all of that together with your anointing, with your grace, makes us unstoppable. Makes us more than conquerors. I pray today, God, in this place that you would make it more clear to every person in this room exactly what our God-given task is. Exactly what you have planned from the beginning for our age and our place in it. I pray, Father, that every person would know that, God, we're not here just to pass time. We're here to change the times and things that are going on. I pray that, God, you help us to be sensitive and aware, to have compassion, to be moved with compassion, to be 
to have some righteous indignation to get disturbed about things that we see enough to rise up in our authority and our dominion and allow you to manifest through us that which you've placed on the inside of us. I pray, Father, that God, this sweatless anointing will be upon us and not only for those things, but God, for in every area of our lives, I pray sweatless anointing on every business. I pray, pray sweatless anointing on every career. I pray sweatless anointing on every marriage, on every family, especially in parenting, God. I pray a, a sweatless anointing, Father, Lord, in, in, our, in our physical bodies, Lord, in our finances, God, that things begin to happen so easy, Father, in our lives, that, Father, we'll never, ever abandon or neglect you, but always give you praise and always give you glory and always give you honor for the great things you are doing in our lives. We thank you, Father, that we will become all you've called us to be. We give you praise and glory and honor for these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God a grand praise today if you receive the word of God. <laughs>